Hey guys, welcome to the Dougal Podcast with myself, Rob Watson. And the title of today's episode is Be Here Now. Now, it's certainly an interesting phrase and one that we often hear now. I've had, well, often gets planted in us and, and hear about it now. But, you know, be here now. Us being in the moment more and enjoying the present moment. It's something that I've been pondering very deeply in a way for at least 10 years now about me being more in the moment and um, stop chasing after experiences, stop thinking the next thing's going to fix me, the next thing's going to be perfect once I've done all this stuff. And I've shared about it in other episodes about some of my challenges around mental health and anxiety and depression and how you know, very much, and for me, very much being in my head, I've got to like, you know, be, be a perfectionist in many ways with the things that I would do in my life. Like I'm a designer, you know, I get paid to do things very well, to to have a real attention to detail of some things. Yeah, in many ways, I've kind of continued that across my life. And I think by me doing that, I've kind of just like moved out of the present moment as such. I'm not really here now. You know, as the title says, be here now. And I wasn't and I haven't been for a long time. And it's something that I'm getting a lot better at. And I'm going to share some of things that I've come across, some things that, that help me right now and some of the people. But yeah, it's interesting, you know, I, when I think about what does make me feel present and stuff, it's very much, you know, times when I'm with friends, I'm in nature, maybe with children, pets, having fun, playing, you know, them times of feeling where you kind of lose track of time. And I think that's the case in about just if we can be in a place in a state where we kind of forget time and we're not thinking, oh, what time is it now? And I've got to do this in half an hour or it's six o'clock tonight. Always thinking ahead, the ego just putting things in order and got to do this. And in a way, for me, my experiences gets me in quite a bit of a state, quite of an anxious state at times because I'm not here now. And something that kind of sparked this a little bit more for me to talk about this today is because at the weekend I watched an amazing documentary which which I'd heard um quite a bit of and it's like I've got to watch it gotta watch it well anyway it's called Free Solo and um, I'm sure quite a few people would have heard of it it's about Alex Hannand who free solos free climbs up El Capitan now that's pretty much the most difficult climb the most challenging rock face to go up and this guy free solos it goes up no rope no harness no safety net no nothing he is the climbing up documentary is phenomenal it follows his journey it's really interesting as well because the cameramen who some of them jimmy chin is who's a phenomenal photographer watched him in a different documentary as well and how nervous they were because obviously we're watching it now and i think i saw the clip of when he actually climbed to the top but for them, they're like, you know, they're filming this, recording this, and they're kind of feeling, like, are they responsible for this? And are they going to see him perish? Are they going to see him fall to his death thousands of feet? And it's really, anyway, it's really, really interesting um, to think that this guy, you know, could do that. But what was what was very fascinating was they did like brain scans with him, and it showed that he doesn't respond to the stimulus of fear like the most of us do, which you can pretty much imagine. Some of us can be little scurdy cats, can't they? Get scared by the simplest or smallest of things. Yet this guy, his um, brain was shown, I think it was, was shown up that it just didn't, it doesn't become active under normal levels of fear like most of us may do. So this guy had, had like a lot of sort of childhood trauma. He didn't really live in the loving, 
a family, he didn't really get hugged, he didn't really hear the word love until he was in his 20s. So he's got like a lot of history there and his, his dad passed away pretty early on. So it's interesting what we do, don't we, in our lives to push us away from feeling the trauma in our lives, the fear, the pain. Because let's be honest, you know, everyone just wants to feel better, don't they? On some level, we all just want to feel better. Who doesn't want to? I don't know. I haven't met anyone who doesn't want to feel better. It's just that at times, because of the way we're feeling, sometimes you just want to release from the pain. And that's why we can tend to look outside of ourselves and do some things that can be destructive in the long term. So this guy, you know, does this free climb, absolutely phenomenal, but it makes me realise because um, Eckhart Tolle, who I'm going to talk about a little bit more, well, quite a bit more at time, talks about how people can experience the now moment in times of like extreme sports, you know, people who are like elite athletes, people who are at the absolute top of the game, such a razor focus that they have. And when they're in that, they're totally in the flow state, they're in the play. So for instance, Alex, who climbs up El Capitan, he does it in less than four hours, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal pace. He was watching, he was totally in the flow. His focus, he wouldn't have been thinking about anything else except the next move. His concentration had to be phenomenal. Many other people that would climb it would know that they've got a safety net, they can fall, they're okay. This guy didn't, and he climbed thousands of feet, but he was in the moment. So it's interesting, isn't it, what we will chase in our lives to experience that present moment. Being out in nature is a powerful one. Even being out, say, being out in a storm, you know, it kind of just captures your imagination. And that's the key thing, captures, because you're just like in awe. And I think the moments of awe and wonder is when we truly do experience this being in the now. So what keeps us out of being in this moment? You know, I talk about like the ego and I think it's often this thing, like it likes to be in control. It thinks it's running the show. And I think what I've become, become aware of, particularly through Eckhart Tolle's teachings and some other people in the field, is that the ego tricks us to think that that's who we are. That is all that we are. When in fact, it's a very small part of our overall being. And what's been interesting for me is when I have had these moments or when I've actually been doing some of the um, the practices or reading some of the, the books by these people, particularly Eckhart Tolle, that I have moments where I realize that I'm not the ego and I'm actually watching my ego. I'm watching the thoughts that are just firing off and I'm actually catch, I'm able to catch it and think, that's not who I truly am. That is just a script. It's just a story getting played over and over. I think a lot of us, myself included, can relate to having, you know, the same thing playing over and over and over. How many times have we got into a disagreement with someone and it's really riled us up? It's all we've been thinking about for days. The same thing playing over and over, probably thousands of times. It's just a story. And that's what I've come to realise. It's just a story and we can choose to, to pause that story. And in fact, to reject it and to realize that that isn't who we truly are. Sure, there's so many experiences that will shape us when we're completely unconscious, traumatic events in our life. I talked about it in, in a previous podcast, The Truth Will Set You Free, how I very much believe in reincarnation, that we have a soul, that we exist beyond this physical space and time. And even some of the things that we can experience this life are challenges with repeating stuff from previous lives. So... We've got all that swirled up and then we've got the ego kind of feeling like it's running the show, but it's not. 
running the show once we start to become more present. So I mentioned Eckhart Tolle. I want to say how that first came to me. I went to India. I went to Goa in 2009. We stayed in this really nice place on the beach. And there was a guy there who, who was from Ireland and he gave massages and his name was David. And he gave me probably to this day one of the best massages I've ever had. I walked out there feeling about two inches taller. Really did. Clear mind, everything. And he recommended to me The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And the day after we go into the town in Goa and there was a book there and I find it. I actually, it, it was like, talk about synchronicity. The book is there for me. And I'm like, oh, I've got to buy that, surely. But at that time, I wasn't kind of tuned in to the idea of synchronicity and everything's connected and there's no accidents. I was just like, wow, I'll, I'll get that. Isn't it interesting that that guy said that to me? Anyway, I start flicking through the book, start reading it. And it's something so phenomenal about books, how it's really interesting. When you read a book, it truly is that person that's been coming through their consciousness their level of consciousness and that's the key the level of it and as you're reading it it kind of like feels like it's rewiring you and you're tapping into it well i was reading it and thinking about it you know and one of the things that techniques it talks about is do your best to just be present as best as you can feel into your body use your senses tune into your environment what can you hear what can you see what can you smell and i did this when i was on the beach there and I literally, I had this moment, it sticks with me to this day, and it always will, where I truly I felt like I totally transcended for a few moments of time, where all of a sudden everything was so much more beautiful, so much more alive. Everything, the sounds, what I could see, the smells, how I was feeling in myself, it was like as if everything was just vibrating at a higher frequency of some sort, and it felt amazing yet it was fleeting and it didn't last. And I was like, wow. So I've just started reading this book. That time for where I was, it was kind of like freaky and it didn't really make much sense because I don't think many of us who, we're not told taught when we go to school about being in the moment and consciousness and meditation and, and all that sort of stuff. I think it's coming through to more schools now, but it's still, um, if you look around into the world, it doesn't seem like many people are taking a breath and got a lot of stuff that's going on at the moment and I don't think many of us are in the now moment and that includes me a lot of the time yet yeah, I'm doing my best to to break them patterns to break them cycles in my head something that Eckhart Tolle talks about a lot is about the pain body and it's interesting how a lot of us hold trauma in our body so if something happened to us when we we're younger not necessarily physical even just like emotional we can store that trauma in our body he calls it the pain body other people call it other things and it's interesting how that thing can impact us and replay back over and over as we grow up and it goes in like a splinter at times so reading about Eckhart Tolle's story and, and I'll just tell you a little bit about him so he's German he grew up in Germany. His mum and dad broke up early on. His dad moves to Spain. He then, um, he, he leaves school when he's 15. He's like, it's not for me. Um, and I think his mum was frustrated with him. So he's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do? So he moves into his dad in Spain. His dad's like, do you want to go to school? He's like, no, I don't want to go to school. He really interested in languages, in, in German, obviously, because he was German, spoke Spanish and was learning English. So he became a bit of a translator, paid translator. And then when he was 19, he moves on to London. And that's really where his journey gets extremely interesting. So obviously he's into languages and I think he, he applies or tries to go through the education system because he knows what he wants to do. And 
he pretty much at some point falls on really hard times. And I think it's because he was so anxious. He was so in his head. He was almost living in his own version of hell, which I think a lot of people can relate to with the mind, with how much it can kind of really run the show and how it can just, in many ways, like feel like it can really dampen things and almost destroy a lot of our experiences because there's so much negativity spinning around. Well, anyway, he was right in this, in the depths of it. He ends up being homeless um, because of the way things have panned out for him. He's living on the streets. He would spend most of his time in parks in, in London. And then one moment, one night, he kind of wakes up. He wakes up in the middle of the night. And he normally, and this I can totally relate to this. I wake up about four, five, six o'clock in the morning, multiple times at night. And my head is buzzing with loads of thoughts it's just kind of like everything's active and swirling up and it's not necessarily something that's happened in the past couple of days it's just like oh it's like as if everything's just like piled in and he said he was having this but one moment he he had this awareness that he wasn't his thoughts and he was able to watch them and from that moment that was when he had his awakening and he didn't really realize what it was to start off with but it was only a few years later after spending time with zen buddhist monks and other um, people who would talk about awakenings is that's what he had and pretty much from that moment then he's been able to truly be able to detach himself from his ego still pops in at times of course but he's he's done that much he kind of he got pushed into such a corner it was his life has gone almost so much downhill because of his mind and then he hits this point his rock bottom in a way and at that point true expansion for him and he has this awakening and his journey, you know, his, his book, The Power Now, must have sold about 15 million copies. Oprah picked up his book and had him on his show. That really transformed him and got him out there. But it's really interesting when you listen to him talk. Now, he must be in his 70s. And he is he's so humble. You know, sometimes I follow certain people and you can still see the ego is still very much coming through. And what's interesting with Eckhart Tolle, someone will ask him a question and they will give him the greatest praise ever. And... There is no, he's grateful for it, but you can see that he's not like, oh, totally blown away by it or he's, he's really affected by it. He kind of, it just doesn't seem to bother him where the ego would love that praise and all that. So for me, he's the total real deal. I've delved into quite a few things the past few years, different techniques, different healing modalities, different ways of being more myself. And I've got to say, it's only Eckhart Tolle in his teachings and his books that I've actually truly experienced the now to be able to feel like I can let go of a lot of things and it's interesting for me I'll just share this it was only at the weekend I've kind of like I don't know I'm going through a few things at the moment a lot of things are swirling up I felt really anxious very tired at the weekend and I had, my mind was just going crazy I had this strong headache and I kind of felt like I was totally backed into a corner and I was like, I've got to get out of my head. And I just, I started to think about, I've been watching quite a bit about Eckhart Tolle, so that's why I'm sharing about it now more so, but I've really been watching a lot of his videos recently. And he talks about the key thing is that the first thing is to move away from the mind. Okay, the breath is really important, but actually just feeling into the body. Now, if anyone think, how can I be more in my body? Well, one thing you'd say is like, you know, close, put your hand out in front of you, your right hand, look at it, close your eyes. Now, you can still, even though you can't see it, you can still feel it. And as soon as you start to put your focus, your attention on that, to think and feel your hand, straight away, you're coming out of your mind and you're coming into your body. Now, can you do it 
both hands at the same time? Can you do your feet as well? Can you start to like connect all your body and just feel into that? And the interesting thing he talks about with a pain body, I've had a lot of headaches and tension headaches over the years, um, tension in my neck, stiffness and stuff. And I'd, I would always be looking for things outside of me to fix it. You know, okay, massages are great or other things, or I'll go for change my diet or for do these things, I'll feel better. When actually one of the best things you can do is actually give it attention, focus on it, feel into it. And by feeling into that, you'll be surprised. And this is what's happened for me, how things just start to soothe away. And it really does make me realize that the answer is within us all. You know, we do need to be looking out of ourselves to fix what we think is wrong with us. When in fact, maybe there's nothing wrong with us at all. Maybe it's just our egos and the way the world is trying to create conflict and that there's issues. When in fact, you know what? We're all good. We're perfect as the way we are right now. And something that's really helping me is that just going more into my body. And even just, I've only really been focusing on this more the past week or so. I am sleeping better from it. I'm just waking up. My body's feeling more relaxed. And that's, who doesn't want to feel calm? Who doesn't want to feel more relaxed? That's one of my things that I've been um, chasing after, seeking after. But it's funny, isn't it? When you chase after something, you it, it goes further away. So maybe there's, it's about less chasing. It's just about experiencing more. So how can we be here? Can we be here now more? And yeah, we can. You know, we're all such busy bees, aren't we? I wonder if we can just be for a moment instead. And some other things that, you know, help me as well. You know, I'm thinking, obviously this is, in a way, for me, the ultimate feeling and connecting to my body, connecting with my breath, feeling that calm. And when my mind starts to like fire off with different thoughts or saying you need to do this, need to do that later on, I'm able to catch it and go, no, that's just my ego. It's okay. It's okay. No, I don't need to do that. It's okay. You can be quiet for a little bit more. But as away from that, I've also been delving into some other things with other people, which um, how we can like, how important the breath is. And it's the polyvagal theory, which um, my therapist told me about. And it's all about the mind-body connection and the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system and how most of us are living in a fight or flight mode. I have been for long parts. I think a lot of us can. It's most people on each day will experience quite a few stressful incidents, whether that would be driving to work and there might be a little bit of traffic or road rage or someone steps out when you when you get into work, you get emails coming through and you can feel like that can be, you know, something you you've read something that you didn't like or you know, all day, every day it can feel like that. If you switch on the news for God's sake, that's where you're definitely gonna feel like you're in a fight or flight mode. So some techniques to help me, and this is from this polyvagal theory, to connect more or to feel more so I'm not in a fight or flight mode. I'm actually moving into a different phase, a different phase which I feel more integrated, I feel more safe. And that's the key word, isn't it? You know, a lot of us just want to feel safe and we don't feel like we live in a safe world. Yeah, I think maybe the safety is shown when we come back to ourselves and realise that actually we are, everything's okay and everything will be okay. Well, some of the things that I've learned recently as well is about play. The art of play is so important for us to to let go of a lot of stuff, to, to have that childlike wonder. You know, I mentioned it in my previous podcast with Bridget. Recently, I bought a, a frisbee. I've really enjoyed playing that and hula hoops and trampolines and skipping ropes and 
just anything that can kind of, you know, brings a bit more play to our life. Because sometimes life can be serious, can't it? You know, and other things as well that are really important is like the human connection, feeling safe, having them strong bonds with people, hugging people, getting, you know, uh, kissing people, you know, all, all that and just feeling that touch of another person. The hug is so important for us to help us to feel safe. And when we do, it's like, ah, you know, it's so important that we live more a connection of communities. Look at the way we all live. Most of us live anyway. We live in our houses. Not many of us tend to have a real connection with our neighbours. And especially if you live in a block of flats, it's interesting with a block of flats, you've got even more people that are concentrated, yet they're even more separated from each other. And that's one of the challenges that I'm seeing in major cities, particularly even more people than ever when you can be got the potential to feel more connected, yet it's even more disconnected. So how can we get back to living in a better way? And I'm kind of going off on one this now, but it's something that's really important to me and interesting for me is that it's the idea of building community more, uh, whether that's through co-housing space or eco-communities, however it is where we can feel like we're closer, maybe we have our senior relatives living with us, we have diff- all different generations connected with us, all these things tend to play a better way so we can have a healthier, happier, calmer, more joyful life if that feeling more connected and we're going to be more in the moment. Isn't it nice to be with people that you enjoy being with, that make you feel good, feel safe? That's one of the things, you know, and then this breathing technique that I found out about is really interesting. So the guy, Stephen, who came up with the polyvagal theories, I can't think of his surname at the moment. When he was younger at university, he used, he used to play a wind instrument. I think it might have been even the flute or something along the lines of that in an orchestra. And what it was is it, all of us who might have played something or have done anything like this will realise that what, if you're going to play anything, what you do is you take a big in-breath, quite a short one, you go, it might be like three or four seconds in. And then when you're playing an instrument, you'll find that your out-breath lasts for about 20, 30 seconds, maybe just a very slow in out. And I found that by doing this breathing technique of taking in a big, say, a, take a breath in like on the count of five and then let it out for a count of like 15, if you can do it for that long, like a long, slow out-breath. And it's interesting because he talks about this, having these longer breaths and particularly longer out-breath helps to calm our nervous system it helps to release trauma from within the body can you believe that hey just through breathing you can help to release trapped trauma old experiences all by being focused on the breath slow long out breaths and then when you tie that stuff into Eckhart Tolle and then you feel into the body you feel into the energy body of us all then you start to think ah we can start to rinse away a lot of the trauma and a lot of the stress and a lot of the anxiety that we hold within our body because we're no longer giving it power. We're no longer reinforcing it with them negative, repetitive thoughts, always chasing along the way. In fact, we can just be more still and experience. Something that's interesting for me, I spoke about, well, I spoke in the last podcast about Bridget, about retreats that we went on. We went to one with an island with her. We went to Skellig Michael, which is the Star Wars island, where Luke is over there and uh, Ray goes and sees him and gives him the, the lightsaber for the first time. We went over to that island and we got on this boat 
all the way over there and um, this little tugboat it was and it was really choppy day and that talk about that was in the moment that was really exciting I certainly wasn't thinking about anything at home and it was interesting Brexit had just happened in terms of the vote it happened on that morning we woke up to find that David Cameron had, had resigned and that we were leaving Europe there was pandemonium in Britain yeah, I was kind of just totally focused on this trip we were going. Thank God we were away that weekend. But what I'm saying about this is because when we were there, I kind of feel like I was just getting these messages and these feelings within me to slow down. I, I saw this rock by the edge of the water and it looked like a turtle. It had the head and the shape and everything of a turtle. And it made me think about turtles. And, you know, thing that was coming to my mind is slow down. You know, slow and steady actually wins the race. I think we've all heard of the her and the tortoise story about, you know, if you slow down in life, if you're a bit more conscious and you've got a bit more direction and you're more in the moment, you can be more spontaneous, you can be more joyful and we can get to where we want actually faster than if we're just running around like busy little bees with all these little to-do lists. Because it's interesting, you know, becoming busy has been almost like a badge of honour, hasn't it? You know, so people say, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm really busy with this, 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 and this. Like, as if it's a good thing. I don't want to be busy. You know, I want to be focused. I want to be productive of what I'm doing. But I don't want to be, like, just going through to-do lists one after the other, always thinking ahead what I've got to do tomorrow, what happened yesterday. Of course, there's going to be times where you've got to be focused like that, but not 24-7. And I know for me, I can be like that at times. I can be so focused 24-7, just all the stuff that I've got to do. And I feel totally overwhelmed at times. And I just want to share this now. These are the things that help me to be here now more, you know, to through the teachings of Eckhart Tolle particularly and other people, I'm able to tap back into my own inner wisdom. And the thing is, we all can. It's available to us all. Every single one of us has got a body, has got the potential to do that, to tap in. All we need to do is start turn ourselves inward instead of outward. Move ourselves from the mind for a little bit. Focus on the breath. Feel into our body. And feel how good it feels. And when you start to feel like this, it's like, ah, everything around you starts to look better. Look out at the trees, nature. You start to appreciate the moment more. And I've even been doing it recently. Can you start to do it more while you're doing sort of household tasks? I did some ironing this morning, which I haven't done for a while. Ironing some shirts. I'm like, can I be present for this? Can I feel into this as it's going over? It's amazing how we don't have to go on these retreats and all these places and yoga workshops and meditations to be more present. Don't get me wrong. And them things are brilliant and help. We can actually just do these things in our everyday. Can we be more conscious when we're walking? Can we feel our feet? on the ground can we tap into that or i often have this thing where i'm eating if i'm eating my meal at night it won't be long before i'm towards the end i'm thinking what can i have next you know i think we can all relate to that what what's coming next what dessert can i have all the time thinking that i was like bloody hell just enjoy what you're eating now it's delicious stop thinking about what you're going to have after this it's crazy isn't it so i'm just going to leave you with this thought of okay what time is it the time it's now it's only ever now. Yesterday was now. Tomorrow will be now. When I was a kid was now. It was just a different now moment. And the more that I come aware of this and realise that there is no bloody time. It's always this present moment. We're just shifting along, along this life, experiencing it from different perspectives. But yet it's always now. 
it's never going to be the future. You know, all these things that we worry about and we think about are just a figment of our imagination. And 99% of the things that we bloody worry about will never come true. I think we can all relate to that, can't we? Our anxieties and our fears that we have, they don't come true. Small percentage of them. And it's interesting, something that just, just popped to mind, something that's helped me over years. You know, if you hear about something, we had a friend a while ago who's like, I'm not going around Europe because um, of ISIS and there's going to be bombs. And it's like, when you watch the news and you're so focused on that, you think it's just affecting the entire world. But actually, what are the odds? What are the odds of me going to some European city and me being involved in a terrorist attack? It's going to be millions and millions to one. Just like it is millions and millions to one of anything happens to you on, your pl- on a plane. It's the same thing. And when I think about that, when I think about the odds of stuff, then there's so much less to worry about. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there for today. I hope that this has maybe sparked something in you. Maybe you'll be really interested about some of the things that I've talked about. Maybe some of the resources like Eckhart Tom. I'll share links to some of his books on my website, to some of his really good videos. Um, you know, he really has been doing it. He truly is for me. He's the real deal. Like more than anyone that I feel I can relate to. And we've all got these type of people and I'd love to hear certain people that you um, follow, their teachings, it's people that you're interested. So, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, please give me a review and that would be amazing. I'm also, I'm also putting these podcasts out now. Uh, onto YouTube as well, so you can access them there. Again, the link's on the site. Um, And also on my main website as well, if you wish, you can actually sign up so you'll get these in your inbox so you don't miss an episode. Well, anyway, I really appreciate you listening to this. I really appreciate you um, supporting me. Anyway, until the next episode, in another now moment, have a good one. Mm -hmm.